The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to coorslight.com SGP. That's coorslight.com SGP. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $40,000 with one entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, make sure to download the SGPN app. It is your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Such an exciting Tuesday because finally, finally, folks, there is USFL football to actually break down. There were plays that happened on the field. Stuff is actually going on that we can break down and talk about. So, of course, it's USFL Tuesday, which means now permanently my co-host, Justin Mark, here to help us break down week one of the USFL. Justin, brother, we're living in a world where we got to watch USFL football. And not just not just Saturday night, but Justin, we got Monday night football too. Yeah, if you can call that a game anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was still Monday night football. It was still Monday night football. I was excited to see them, the Maulers just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And it just, it did not play out how I envisioned it. No, uh, I mean, look, there was a lot of stuff that happened this weekend that wasn't uh, how we envisioned it. But I will say that overall, uh, and and so here's how we're going to break this down. I just want you guys to know f- right off the top, uh, on, on Tuesdays when we cover USFL, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to recap each of the games, right? We're going to spend our normal not our normal three minutes, but we're going to spend a normal a lot of time. So we'll have eight minutes per game to break it down. So I want you guys to understand that, you know, you're going to get eight minutes worth of a game recap with all of the fantasy news that you need from each game. And then after the break, we're going to give you some waiver wire names and talk about some of the pickups and maybe even trades that you can have uh, as the season progresses. But this week we'll do waiver wires because um, I'm sure a lot of folks are not willing to trade anybody yet because as we'll talk about as the game progresses or the game recaps progress, uh, there's still a lot of unknowns. (laughs) But at least some stuff solidified itself in week one for us uh, enough. So. Again, we're going to count down uh, the the game's recaps, eight minutes apiece. So if you don't like the game, if you don't want to hear about one game, fast forward eight minutes, you'll get to the next game. But we implore you stick around because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. But overall, let's just, because this is week one, so let's just take a a quick uh, second to sort of break down our feelings about the league and what's been going on. Um, And we'll start with your first impressions of the overall league, Justin. I think they couldn't have asked for better opening games, especially Friday and Saturday's games, or Saturday and Sunday's, I mean, sorry. Um, They were close games. There were hard hits. There were some really good catches. Um, It was just exciting. It was exciting football. And maybe I'm more excited because, uh, you know, we have been researching this stuff, diving in, knowing all these players. I kept having family members at Easter turn and be like, 
how do you know that about that guy? How do you know what college he went to or where he played? And it's like, trust me, I've been looking up these guys and reading about them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was very exciting. The, the research that goes into it. I mean, especially like we talk about all the time, you dig in the weeds so deep. You've, you've been in there like deeper than most of us even to, to get all of this stuff. So, um, all right. Impressions on overall gameplay. And as far as uh, I heard somebody say it, and I, I don't know if you watched the entire uh, pre-show. You said you were watching the, the first half. I don't know if you ended up finishing it. Um, not, not yet. I haven't. Yeah. I mean, you need to because it's actually a, a pretty decent look inside the, the wire. One thing that always irks me the most is when everybody tosses around developmental league right off the bat. Like everything has got to go to the NFL. I, I'm, no, I'm okay with a standalone USFL, these guys don't need to necessarily try to make it to the NFL. I want the USFL to be able to gain enough traction to pay its players enough to where they want to stay and play for the USFL. Yeah, okay, maybe they won't make it to the NFL, but don't undersell what you have right off the bat because one of the coaches, and I, I feel like it was Kirby Wilson who we'll talk about in the game recaps, um, but he said to you know if you want this to be uh, if you want this to be a play i think it was actually it was uh haley i think who said if you want this to be a league uh where you're here because you're not good enough to get to the nfl that's fine too and i was like but why would you put that on the player the way why would you word it that way you know why would you say look if you're not good enough to be the best then you can stay here uh i feel like that's just an undersell yeah it definitely is um I agree with you. This doesn't have to be a thing where it's, um, hey, this is NFL or bust. You know, be here to play, be here to show up, and hopefully this league does get enough interest, does have enough players that just want to be there, um, that it really takes off. And yeah, don't don't put any kind of other thoughts in their head, really. Yeah, because I mean, you're already setting them up for failure right off the bat. You're like, look, you guys are here because you're not good enough to be pros. And it's like, meh. I mean, I like the other coach that was like, you are all professional football players. Because they are. I mean, they're getting paid to play. Are they getting paid a lot? No. Did they expect to get paid a lot? No. But here's the thing. These guys are getting paid to play football right now. And and if they can make this league a destination league rather than a transitional league, then they'll start to pay more. So I would get them bought into the concept of, look, you make this league successful you make it entertaining you make it exciting you can live off of this you know you may not be making the millions of dollars that the nfl is making but you can make enough for your family's comfortable they're comfortable you know their family's comfortable just everybody's comfortable and and fans will enjoy watching this league so that's that's my hopes for this league because i see a lot of potential in these guys as far as yeah, they're not the NFL, but I don't want them to be the NFL because sometimes the NFL gets a little tiresome, you know, and, and like we talked about offline, I can keep track of these guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's not 500 players to keep track of the eight teams, even if they expand it to 10 or whatever. It's just a more inviting league, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. And, and you got to imagine that 100% of those players are doing what they love. So at the end of the day, you got to realize, no, you're not making what the NFL players are making, but you're getting paid to do what you love. You're extending that. Most of these guys thought that was done with over, you know, so just focus on that. Focus on the fact that you get to show up to work every day and do something you love. You know, you got guys that left reality television, MMA, other leagues to join this league and be a part of this league. So, 
uh, the buy-in's got to be there, in my opinion. And it's just, you know, that that's to me, I, I want to watch a league where players want to play, not where a player, not where players want to leave. You know, so absolutely, that's that's just me. I, I'm probably one of the rarities that everybody wants to see everybody make the NFL, but I'm okay if they play in the USFL for their career. Yeah, I mean, we all love a good story about a guy who was given up on his dream and then he makes it. But um, the more bought in they are to each and every game here, the more entertaining it will be for us. I concur. Speaking of games, speculation is over, Justin. Saturday night, we got treated to the first ever USFL 2020 offering. We load up eight minutes on the clock and let's start talking about the New Jersey Generals taking on the hometown uh, Birmingham Stallions. I almost said Baltimore. What the hell? (laughs) Birmingham Stallions. This was, by all intents and purposes, probably the best start that they could have asked for in this opportunity. Uh, The Stallions, in a thrilling last-minute come-from-behind win, uh, and and win 28-24 to over the Generals. Looked like the Generals were basically going to own this game from start to finish. But those scrappy stallions in their very home stadium uh, made a charge. A lot of, lot of confusing things to begin with, right, Justin? We, we saw some stuff that we didn't necessarily project. Um, mm-hmm. But some stuff actually played out, I think, the way we, we uh, wanted it to. And the first thing that really caught our attention was who was starting at quarterback for the Generals. And, uh, Justin, I know we talked about it on the mock draft, but... Uh, what were, what were your takes when you saw Luis Perez take the field first? Yeah, that, that surprised me, but, um, you got to give him credit. He did play a good clean game. He's the only quarterback all weekend to score or, uh, throw for more than one touchdown. So give Luis credit, but it was interesting how this was almost a dual system. Um, when they wanted to run the ball more often than not, Andrew Johnson was back there and, man, he ran, he ran a lot. Um, he was everything as advertised that I had been talking about, about his dual threat minus the passing part of it. I mean, he was more like a running back. He, he only threw for 37 and a half percent. Now part of that, I don't know if coming in and out of the game, that's got to throw your rhythm a little bit. You never get on rhythm, but, um, his, his running abilities and how fast and elusive he was, was just really fun to watch especially when I kept pushing like, oh, Donna Johnson's the guy because of that rushing ability. Well, and I I watched him, obviously, with the Spring League and the Sea Lions, and I saw, obviously, we saw him take off quite a bit in that as well, too, DeAndre Johnson. But my only surprise in handing the ball to Luis Perez is it's not... I'm so frustrated with Luis Perez <laughs> because he is a he is a good quarterback. I will say that he is a good quarterback only because you saw it in flashes, right? His final line of the night, 13 of 18 for 143 yards, obviously the two touchdowns, but more importantly, no interceptions, right? In a in a mm-hmm. in a game where opening night jitters were huge, uh he got handed the ball kind of I don't want to say late, but obviously we know that Perez was not the first choice in New Jersey. Um, let's let's circle back to that situation real quick, Justin. Ben Holmes, right, was supposed to be the guy. Yep. We watched in that that first uh, that show, the inside the USFL, that Ben Holmes got cut because he wasn't picking up the system. Does that surprise you at all? 
That does surprise me because everything we had seen uh, was that he broke his toe. He broke his pinky toe. It was going to be five to six weeks, and that's why he was cut. That's everything I saw from social media, his own account. Um, but I don't, the USFL really portrayed it as he's not picking this up. He's missing the guys. We got to go a different direction. Yep. And so in they bring Luis Perez who they spotlighted to to be the starter. And, of course, he was. Uh, so, yeah, Ben Holmes probably not coming back because we've seen now that that Perez and Johnson can handle the load for the Generals. Uh, it just, in the end, it was the, the Generals' defense that kind of let them down. <clears throat> but let's, uh, let's finish up on the Generals. Uh, obviously, we talked about DeAndre Johnson. He finished the night 3 of 8, 59 yards, no touchdowns. But where the guy did damage was in the rushing uh, attempts. He had 12 for 98 yards, and of course that rushing touchdown um, that he had. Again, he he's that guy that's you're going to bring in for these uh, wild. Well, I say wildcat, but he's a quarterback. But these running packages, um, and it looks like Perez is going to handle the load when it comes to passing. Is this sustainable? That's my question. Yeah, I I don't know this early on. Um, you got to imagine if they're playing most of the game from behind, they're not running it as much. So maybe Luis Perez is in more than Johnson is. Um, definitely not sustainable from a fantasy football perspective. Like, which guy do you start? They were both startable this week. Um, and actually in our league, I don't know if you noticed, but the guy that drafted Perez and the guy that drafted Johnson went against each other and they both started them. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but Johnson with running for 98 yards and a touchdown, he, he made up for what he didn't do in the passing game, but long-term we see two college or two quarterback systems in college. So, you know, it can work, um, whether it will in the USFL, I don't know. It definitely won't for your fantasy football team. You're going to get frustrated eventually. So in that, uh, DeAndre Johnson, 18.2 fantasy points, actually had the better day uh, than Luis Perez at 13.7 fantasy points. So uh, again, DeAndre Johnson in, in season long, playing on all fantasy, 18.2, Luis Perez, 13.7. Who knows, really, if that's going to continue. Uh, all right, let's move on to the running backs uh, where we saw Darius Victor get 15 carries for 66 yards, and then Trey Williams, 13 carries for 54 yards. Kind of a true split backfield in that respect, but we kind of knew that going in, especially if you watch the pre-show where they were talking about the three amigos. Of course, the third one, Mike Weber, not in there. Uh, but so it was the two amigos, dos amigos, um, <laughs> who had some equal carries. Takeaways from that situation. Yeah, that's another thing that's going to be a headache um, for fantasy football-wise, especially when Weber comes back, because it, it is truly a split backfield. Um, I, I was surprised to see them run as much as they did. Um, they ran more than they passed. I expected them to pass more and the uh, the gent or the stallions to actually run the ball more, and it was it was flipped. So that was interesting to see. But um, Victor and Williams can both play. They can both, you know, they both finished with over four yards per carry. Um, Victor had a long of 21, Williams of 18. So they can both, they can both show up and contribute. And I just think it's going to get even more convoluted. And Victor, uh, of course, had the better day fantasy. I mean, I'm sorry, Williams had the better day fantasy wise. Uh, Williams finishing with 11.7 uh, points to Victor's 6.6. 6. 
because Trey had some receiving yards, 38 in total. So uh, they used Williams a lot more in the passing game. Uh, he had five catches, 38 yards. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a PPR like Alt Fantasy, uh, definitely going to look on Williams' way. Uh, receiving, let's let's turn to receiving here real quick. Uh, Satterfield, and we'll hit on him later, the surprise guy who had uh, five receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we thought it was going to be Alonzo Moore. We thought it was going to be Kevontae Turpin. Turns out it's Satterfield for week one. Hello, surprises. Yeah, absolutely. Five receptions on five targets, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he showed up. He's from Lyon College. He spent a little time in the CFL, but I did not expect him to make the impact he did. So that was really surprising to see. Um, Turpin was targeted as much, but he only came down with two receptions. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out or if that balances out. Um, and Turpin comes down with some more of those passes, but definitely surprised to see him um, put up the stat line he did. Yep, so Randy Satterfield uh, is is a name to watch, and we'll talk about him coming up after the break. Uh, some other folks, uh, Brandon Bowman, the tight end, getting three catches for 32 yards and the touchdown there. Uh, big guy, big guy, bailing out Luis Perez. And then, like we said, Alonzo Moore didn't. He got three targets, no catches. Uh, and it was pretty sad for him uh, to, to, to turn in that type of performance. Uh, Kevontae Turpin, two for 23. And then, of course, we talked about uh, Trey Williams getting five catches for 38 yards. So um, not much to take away from this week. I, we'll have to see another week of, of whether or not uh, the, the workload remains the same. Um, but that was the Generals. The Stallions, let's just hit the Stallions real quick because, wow, that went quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually saw uh, uh, Jamar, Jamar, Jamar Smith come in after Mago went down. Uh, Magoo? Mago? They say Magoo. They said Magoo. I like it better as Magoo. Yeah, okay, Magoo. <laughs> Magoo started the game, went 5 for 10 uh, at the end with a touchdown interception, but left with an ankle injury, which cleared the way for Jamar Smith, uh, who went 11 of 21 for a touchdown and 156 yards, obviously had the better day through the air. Uh, but more importantly, Jamar Smith had the run that mattered the most at the end uh, for the touchdown that won the game. Let's let's just talk through real quick this uh, quarterback situation over there now, uh, shaping up for for Birmingham. Yeah, you, you hate to see Magoo lose his job um, because of an ankle injury because he didn't play terrible. I know he had an interception, um, but he also didn't have a ton of time to really get the rhythm going. Um, and Jamar Smith, he looked awesome. So, you know, you hate to see somebody lose their job due to an injury if he is healthy week two. Um, but, you know, Smith might have earned that the way he came in, took control. You know, that's not easy to do on the spot. You have to be a real professional to be prepared and ready to do that. We see guys in the NFL that don't do that. So, um, you know, he might have earned it as much as I don't like to say, yeah, just go ahead and take it from Magoo. Yeah, I mean, he got Wally pipped, so we're going to call it Alex Magoo's now uh, <laughs> is what he ended up getting. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, if Jamar Smith is out there on the waiver wire, uh, we're not hitting on him right now because I figured we'd have a little more time to talk about him in the recap, but he's definitely a waiver wire guy uh, to pick up because you never know. But this is why we talked about, especially in the mock draft and the regular draft, 
These are fluid situations going on, especially in this first season, especially in this first week. We we project what we think is going to happen, but then the game gets played and stuff completely changes on you. So always be ready to to change uh, course. And I think Jamar Smith is somebody that if you're, especially an Alex Magoo manager, you got to get this week. Absolutely. All right. And so carrying the ball, uh, we thought C.J. Maribel was going to be a major factor. He got the touchdown, but he only carried the ball seven times for 22 yards. It was Tony Brooks-James who had the more effective day by five yards uh, and a carry. Eight for 27 uh, on the ground for Tony Brooks-James. Crazy to see that shape up the way it is. What do you, what do you take on that? Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, they were pretty split. Maribel ended up getting the touchdown run. Um both of them about the same effectiveness, 3.1 yards per carry for Marable, 3.4 for Tony Brooks James. So I think they're going to continue to both get opportunities. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to break one open or who's going to get those touchdowns. Um, I expected Brooks James to maybe uh, flash a little bit more than he did. I expected Marable to take part in the receiving game more than he did. Um, he had two catches, um, so not a lot there. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. C.J. Marable with 10.9 fantasy points, obviously because of the receptions. So, yeah, I I don't think you're giving up on him yet, but, you know. Uh, All right, so moving on to the receiving game, Osiris Mitchell was the big winner in that game. Uh, Five catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Looked really impressive. Uh, Victor Bolden Jr., four catches, 45 yards. And then uh, Carrie Angeline, two catches, 35 yards. And then we talked about Tony Brooks-James getting three catches uh, for 18 yards. Marable getting two for 18. And a lot of those obviously came with Jamar. Again, Alex didn't look like he could get much going, but Jamar really had the offense moving. But uh, Osiris Mitchell, pleasant surprise, yeah? Absolutely. Um, if you guys listen to our draft, J. Mark's wifey, <laughs> my wife drafted him. So she was pretty excited when he came down with that touchdown. And that was a heck of a catch, too. That was one of the catches that I saw that it was like, okay, this is legit. You know, if people are watching and they're on the fence, they're going to watch that and go, okay, this is legit. This is entertaining. I'm here for it. Um, they were really kind of, uh, equal in the passing game for targets as far as targets go. Mitchell had seven, Bolden had eight, tight end Kerry Angeline had six, and then Marlon Williams, he didn't catch any, but he was targeted five times. So um, very split there. So I think going forward, it may be difficult to know which of those receivers to rely on, but um, if they keep throwing it like they did, you know, I don't, I don't know if Mitchell, Bolden, Angeline, I don't know if any of them will let you down. Yeah, we need another week worth of of catches and and you know actual gameplay to really suss out a lot of this. A lot of this is all one week sample size, and that's not enough. But it's better than what we had before. <laughs> that's for, <laughs> for sure. sure. Uh, all right, let us move on to the next game of the week, where the Houston Gamblers took on the Michigan Panthers, and the Panthers had us scared. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, a lot of us were going for the Gamblers, but uh, the Panthers ended up uh, really making a push late. Uh, but the Gamblers hold, held on to win 17-12 to 12, uh, and took Jeff Fisher to below 500 uh, to start his, his USFL career. But on the Houston side of the ball, we knew that it was going to be Clayton Thorson. Uh, everybody had that. Uh, but Clayton Thorson 
<laughs> 9 of 17, 73 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Didn't even break 100 yards, but, uh, I mean, look, Kenji Bahar, one pass attempt, uh, and even when he came in, he, he only rushed once, too. Uh, lost two yards on that one because he kneeled down on on a play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was Clayton Thorson's game, right? Yeah, just not somebody that you can, if it plays out like this, not somebody you can rely on fantasy-wise. Um, I actually drafted Clayton Thorson, so I was very disappointed in that 73-yard stat line, only threw the ball 17 times. Um, but they were ahead most of the game. So, you know, that kind of dictates game flow. It'll be interesting to see if they're not ahead. Are they willing to sling it a little bit more, or are they going to commit to that run um, through the season and keep running the ball? Yeah, again, it, and really the first play of the game was Mark Thompson carrying the ball, uh, which, again, was was one of the running backs that we had talked about earlier, but not necessarily spotlighted because there wasn't a lot of uh, speculation that we could make on Mark Thompson, but Mark Thompson gets the ball right off the bat. Uh, and, and carries it for a seven-yard gain. He finishes the day with 13 carries for 71 yards, no touchdowns, uh, but he split the day with Dalen Dawkins, who had 10 carries for 27 yards. Obviously, Mark Thompson looked like the stronger runner, looked like the guy they're going to go to uh, week in and week out. So I have a feeling that if you uh, drafted Mark Thompson, you're happy, and uh, you might want to go ahead and hang on to him. But um, I'm not really moving too much the needle on Dalen Dawkins after this game either. Yeah, yep. Um, the biggest difference that stuck out to me was a five and a half yard uh, carry average for Mark Thompson, two point seven for Dawkins. So that's a pretty big difference if you're not even breaking three yards per carry. Um, I would consider you kind of ineffective, and he's got some work to do to kind of catch up to Thompson's level of play. And you just look at the way Thompson ran. I mean, he he was really just bulldozing. He wanted to get those extra yards, and it just it felt to me like Thompson was was much stronger out of the gate uh, than was Dalen Dawkins. And maybe maybe they didn't put Dalen Dawkins in the right situations. I I mean, you know, like I said, from what I could see, it was it was really just Mark Thompson uh, carrying the load. Turning over mm-hmm. to the receiving game there for the Gamblers, uh, we had huh, JoJo Ward. <laughs> There's no slow JoJos. That's right. Uh, he led with targets. He had nine targets, led with catches with seven, uh, and led in yardage with 48. But it was Isaiah Zuber that came down with the impressive back of the end zone, threw everybody touchdown. Uh, he That was one of his two catches for 34 yards, and he was only targeted those two times as well. Uh, others receiving votes, Brandon Barnes, who had a three, he had a red zone target that just, oh, so close. <laughs> uh, but he was targeted three times. And then uh, Tyler Polka actually had one, and Anthony Ratliff, Anthony Ratliff Williams, three targets, one catch for minus one yards. Uh, receiving game thoughts there, Justin. Yeah, JoJo Ward getting 50% of the target share. I can't imagine that's going to be sustainable over long term, but it is something to keep an eye on right now because they obviously looked his way often, um, and he that was who they were most comfortable throwing to. That's who Thorson relied on. So I would definitely keep an eye on that because he, he did look fast. He did not look like a slow JoJo because there are none. And um, I, I definitely think that's something to keep an eye on, on if he can continue to dominate the target share there. I would like to see that because he is a fun player to watch. Although that Zuber catch was really fun. 
uh, mm-hmm. as well. Go find it on, on Twitter. It's definitely out there. Uh, all right, let's move over to the Panthers where it's Shea Patterson's ball, damn it, and no Paxton Lynch is going to take it away from him. Shea Patterson, 17 of 25, that first pick in the USFL draft. Uh, really, again, it was just do or die with him. Uh, 17 of 25, 192 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. But Paxton Lynch comes in 2 of 5 for uh, one yard <laughs> and an interception. A horrible day for Paxton Lynch. But here's the thing. That front line was not protecting either one of them. So no. Paxton Lynch that is, did it under duress all day long. Yeah, and neither one of them really could hang on to the ball at first, it seemed like. Shea Patterson really rebounded there towards the end of the game to try to make a push for that comeback. But yeah, through most of the game, I could not believe how many times they were dropping, not only when they were hit, but you know they would start scrambling and whoop, there went the ball. It was crazy to watch. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, something that's going to make it hard to rely on um, Shea Patterson if he's going to continue to have issues fumbling the ball like that it was not fun to watch i'll tell you that much right now just watch i mean look you were holding your breath on this guy every single second that you were watching it because you're like all right is he gonna is he going to fumble the ball is he not uh finishing with 14.8 uh fantasy points so again not a terrible day when in terms of the other fantasy could have been a lot worse that is for sure uh let's talk about the rushing game stevie scott Received the most carries, 18 of them for 72 yards and a touchdown. Looked good, but it was a one-two punch for them. Uh, Cameron Scarlett getting 15 carries for 66 yards as well. Uh, Any surprise on the split carries in in, uh, Michigan? Yeah, I was definitely surprised. Um, Stevie Scott, I think I started the season having him as my number one ranked running back. I kind of expected him to dominate the backfield. 18 to 15 carries is not dominating at all. So I was surprised to see how involved Cameron Scarlett got, but um, it was no surprise to me that they did run the ball a lot. They ran it early and often. And so I definitely think Scott's still somebody you you rely on, even when Cameron Scarlett's taking some of those touches. And as good as Scarlett looked, I think you can start to think about relying on him as well. Well, Stevie Scott had 14.2 points on the day where Cameron Scarlett had eight. Obviously, uh, Stevie Scott uh, getting the the bulk of the carries, so he ended up getting the better day. But uh, again, if it's a split backfield, who knows? Uh, So let's move to the receiving game where Lance Lenore Jr. was the hero for the Panthers. Uh, Even though they didn't win, he still had a good day. Six for 71 with a touchdown. Uh, And then, of course, Joe Walker, the versatile player that everybody was talking about, 5 for 51. Uh, Lenore had the only Panthers touchdown catch. And then uh, Devin Ross had 3 for 44. Poor Jeff Bidette. Adam was banging the drum for him. One catch, 12 yards. Uh, And then Scarlett and Scott both had a catch. Uh, and then Marcus Baugh had one catch as well. So take away from the pass catchers there. Yeah, and you look at 71 yards for Lance Lenore, um, and you think, well, that's not a huge stat line, but that was good enough for fifth overall for receiving yards this week. So um, I was surprised to see him step up that much. I didn't think the Panthers' pass game was going to be very effective in general, um, and so to see one of their receivers finish with uh, the fifth most receiving yards, that was encouraging. It was encouraging and yet frustrating at the same time because <laughs> I just, again, unless that front line decides it wants to start protecting whichever quarterback is behind it, 
it's just going to be a long, long day in Michigan. And the fact that they even had a chance to win at the end of the game was impressive enough as it was. And who knows? I mean, they they, they very well could have done it were it not for uh, just an ineffective last drive. I mean, they had the opportunity to do it, um, but they, they went 14 plays, 60 yards, and did not convert on a fourth down play that cost them the game. My father-in-law and I had a silver piece bet because we bet silver pieces on the game and he had the Panthers and that fourth down pass where he almost came down with two feet in the end zone. That was intense. Very close finish. It was a close finish and it could have been another upset in in the week that, oof, I would have, I would have hurt. I'll tell you right now that would have hurt for me. (laughs) I wasn't ready for another upset. Uh, All right. We move on to the second game of the triple header. Uh, what a Sunday that was. Not only was there actual uh, that going on, but I had the NASCAR race as well. That was that was a tough a tough Sunday. I, I wish I had the, the God view uh, that we have over there in the SGP for that day. Uh, but let's we all, move. We all wish we had that. I'm telling you, these guys know how to live life. Uh, it is the Philadelphia Stars with obviously my favorite quarterback uh, at the helm versus the New Orleans Breakers who... I mean, look, Justin, you and I both talked a lot about the New Orleans Breakers offense before this season that we weren't necessarily all that impressed with them. But uh, my God, if they did not actually do a little something on Sunday. Uh, But I think the defense was the story really overall for the Breakers um, with that pick six. Uh, But the, the offense did okay. So for fantasy purposes, let's let's break down the Breakers first where Kyle Slaughter, uh, it was Slaughter Sunday as, as our, our friend Colby likes to say, 27 attempts, which was a lot for a quarterback this day, mm-hmm. uh, completed 17 of them for 150 yards, did not have a touchdown pass, and threw an interception. But more importantly, Justin, the takeaway from this, he was the only quarterback to touch the ball for New Orleans all day long, which we can't really say about all the other teams. Yeah, definitely encouraging. Um, there were, I think, three teams that stuck to just one quarterback. So um, that's definitely something to hang on to. Maybe four teams now that I'm thinking about it. But something to hang on to fantasy-wise, um, whether they're putting up a huge stat line or not, if they're the only ones throwing the ball, that increases your chances, obviously. Yeah, so Kyle Sloter is is it. I mean, that's it. He was the only guy with any sort of a pass attempt, any quarterback to take the field for the breakers uh and and i think that's going to be the same way going forward because and we didn't see a lot of passing yards in the in the first weekend which i don't think we expected to anyways but uh, 150 if you're breaking 150 at least or getting there uh in this first weekend i think you're a decent enough quarterback to stick around for more uh unfortunately like i said he didn't get a touchdown pass but they did hand the ball off quite a bit uh, over 30 times to be exact. <laughs> and, and the main recipient of that, it was actually more of a split backfield than I expected. And again, I didn't know what to really expect out of this New Orleans Breakers de- uh, offense anyways. But Jordan Ellis had 18 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, a good solid day for him. And then TJ Logan uh, had 15 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. So three less carries, uh, a little bit less on the yards per carry. Um, but both of those guys equally as impressive in the first outing of the season. 
Yeah, you know, and you and I both talked about it before the season started. We looked at the the game film on these guys, and the, we didn't think they were bad, but we just weren't as impressed as some of the other players we were seeing. So I don't know if it's credit to coaching or if maybe we undersold the offensive line and defensive lines because that's really where I felt like the breakers controlled. They really controlled the trenches there. Um, but yeah, Ellis and Logan both looked good. Both looked like you could rely on them. I mean, they both had a rushing touchdown, of course. Um, neither used in the passing game. Oh, I take that back. Logan was used in the passing game and Ellis was not. So um, if you start thinking about like, you know, Ellis looked better in the run game, but if you're in a PPR league, Logan may have a little bit more value if they continue to split the backfield like that. Logan had a lot of value. He had 19.4 points, fantasy points, uh, because of his use in the passing game as well. So very impressive day fantasy-wise for Logan. Uh, we talk about the receivers. Well, this was a, a situation where the tight end was the star, and Sal Canella came up uh, aces for the Breakers. Six catches, 58 yards, no touchdowns there. Obviously, we know that uh, Sloter didn't throw any, but uh, he did have six for 58. Uh, Logan, four for 38. And then the next receiver on the list, Johnny Dixon, had four for 37. Jonathan Adams, one catch for 10 yards. Chad Williams, one catch for five yards. EJ Bibbs, one catch for two yards. So a heavy, heavy day for Sal Canella carrying the load uh, for the breakers on, on the in the receiving game. Yeah, and I was surprised. If I thought one guy was going to step out and above, I thought it was going to be Chad Williams. He's a former third-round NFL draft pick. You would kind of expect him to exceed. He was targeted four times, but only came down once for five yards. So really impressive showing by Sal Canella. Um, not a tight end that I thought was going to be you know, one of the um, main tight ends in their offenses. And 26% of the target share. So definitely, if he keeps that up, he's a tight end that you want to manage, you want on your team. He was impressive in the spring league. I remember watching him in the spring league. I was, I was pretty impressed with what, the way he looked. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's turning heads up in the USFL after week one. Another spring league guy that impressed and impresses, continues to impress me, uh, is Brian Scott, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Stars. One again, we saw this game was only two quarterbacks. We didn't see any rotations. We didn't see anything, um, you know, fishy. But Brian Scott, thirty-six pass attempts. That is the most in the in the week. Uh, Twenty-five completions, the most. Two hundred two yards, the most. A touchdown and an interception. Unfortunately, that interception was costly, uh, and that basically I think is what ended up costing them the game. But Justin. Brian Scott is as advertised. Agreed. Yeah, he looked he looked the part, no doubt. Um, looked like he was comfortable back there, even when he was running for his life from the defense. So uh, I was really impressed. You know, you had seen more of him um, following the spring league than I have, but I was really stoked to see, watch him play and see what he did. And I was very impressed and um, definitely somebody that I want to tune in and watch each week. Yes, sir. Believe he ended up QB one. So uh, <clears throat> no, he didn't end up QB one. Actually, he only had eleven point three points, but still uh, the most passing yards. It w if it wasn't for stinking Luis Perez and his two touchdown passes, uh, we'd have been looking at that. But Shea Patterson obviously had a better day fantasy wise as well because uh, of the rushing uh, or not rushing, but anyways. Johnson and all that. Anyways, but let's move on to Brian Scott because, uh, he, like I said, he justified my my number one pick to me. I think going forward, it's just going to be nothing but good things 
for him. So if you drafted him, you're happy. Uh, but let's move on to other positions that aren't necessarily as uh, solidified. Darnell Holland, we talked about Darnell Holland, especially a lot in the preseason. Nine rushes for 52 yards and a touchdown. Looked every bit as good as, as I expected him to look. Um, but poor Matt Colburn, nine carries as well, only 14 yards with them. Uh, that backfield looks like it's Holland's and Holland's for good. Yeah, if you, when you're looking at 5.8 yards per carry versus 1.6, uh, big difference, obviously. Um, and I think you're definitely going with Holland going forward. Yeah, he just looked like the more explosive runner and the guy that they're going to continue to to trust. Now, obviously, Colburn had the same amount of attempts and carries, but it's it's Darnell Holland's world. So if you're looking for vet fantasy value in Matt Colburn, you may only find it in the passing game, which we'll talk about now because there's a surprise receiver that we did not see coming, and uh, that is Chris Rowland, who had seven catches, 74 yards, just was clutch for Brian Scott uh, in that passing game. Matt Colburn, we'll talk about rolling in a second. Matt Colburn, four catches, 43 yards. Uh, then DeAndre Overton had two catches for 34 yards. Uh, Devin Gray, two catches for 34 yards. Bug Howard, your boy, three catches for 14 yards. Darnell Holland had four catches for 12 yards. And then uh, Jordan Sewell. Um, and then Brian Scott had a catch of his own. <laughs> And then uh, Pro Wells had a catch as well. So uh, talk about the receiving game. I know you want to talk about Bug real quick. Absolutely. Um, you know, I kept harping big red zone target and who comes down with the touchdown, Bug Howard. Was not all that hard of a catch or a play. He was wide open, but um, I was super excited to see it. I was yelling at the TV, <laughs> Bug, you know, so I, I was definitely stoked on that. And Brian... Mm -hmm. Brian Scott not only threw for the most yards, but the only quarterback with a catch. So that's impressive. <laughs> PPR um, points, baby. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Rowland obviously was very good. 25% of the target share. Colburn had 19%. And then Gray, Howard, and Holland all had 11% of the target share. So um, definitely spreading the ball around there. But Rowland was the guy that uh, was looked to the most. He was, and he, and he definitely offered the most value. So uh, do we have him on our uh, – we didn't put him on. Oh, I did put him on. Never mind. Mm -hmm. I'm smarter than I think I am. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, so, that I mean, that's – that again, that Stars offense is going to be trouble, I think, as long as Brian Scott's in charge of it uh, because I, I'm sorry, but – I still think that he is the most talented quarterback in this league. And let's just go ahead and not bury the lead anymore and head on to the Monday Night Football matchup where the uh, Tampa Bay Bandits basically destroyed the Pittsburgh Maulers, but not as much as I think most people were thinking, especially early in the game, uh, because just uh, the final score, 17-3, to it was never a game. It was never in question. Uh, there was no close finish. Uh, but I think we got a lot of answers uh, to, to a lot of different questions, at least on one side of the ball. But let's let's talk about the Maulers first, because I want to talk about Pizzagate, uh, in which now if you're going to cut your best running back because he asked for pizza instead of a salad or a salad instead of a pizza, I don't even remember what now. I think it was pizza, right? Yeah, pizza instead of this chicken yeah, salad. Yeah, the chicken salad, <laughs> which made people sick in the spring league, by the way. Uh, and then you're going to come out and run the ball seven straight times for nothing? 
then <laughs> you, sir, need to be evaluated. But, yes, the Maulers uh, came out and basically handed the ball off for the first, I don't know, quarter, right? I don't think they threw the ball at all that first quarter. Yeah, I know we were all talking. I said, do they throw a pass in the first quarter? Because at that point, I think there was four minutes left, and they had not thrown one yet. Um, definitely leaves a lot of questions, especially, unfortunately, with Kirby um, and that play calling, because I was excited to see it, but I thought it would be a little bit more creative than that. Well, it wasn't creative at all. And in fact, no. we we initially had thought that, and, and all the hype was for Kyle Laletta to be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Maulers. Snap one, who lines up? None other than Josh Love. So automatically, every fantasy player is thrown for a loop because Kyle Laletta was the poster boy for Pittsburgh and not even the starter. Yeah, um, I think Josh Love just hands it off better. I think that's what they had to have seen <laughs> because you know they they did, ended up throwing the ball twenty six times because you're down seventeen to three, down seventeen nothing most of the game, but um, only completed eleven passes. So there's definitely a lot of work to do in the pass game. Eleven passes between the two, yeah. Because when Loletta finally came in, uh, it, it wasn't that effective either. Uh, Josh Love nine of sixteen, one hundred twenty one yards, which yardage wise is not i mean it's comparable to a lot of the other quarterbacks out there uh, and then yep. Loletta two for 10 for eight yards so your your poster boy quarterback throws for eight yards on two completions not a very good day so let's move over to the rushing uh, but okay i'm sorry let's let's put a bow on the quarterback situation what do we do you hope that you don't have either of them <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta have like, one yeah if you have to have one um josh love did look better he looked better than Laletta. I don't know why at any point they put Laletta in um, because I don't think Josh Love was necessarily playing poorly. I just think the game plan and the play calling was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I posted something in, I don't remember if it was our Slack channel or if it was on Twitter where uh, it was just a guy literally running into a wall the entire time. Like he was just literally running into a wall. I said, this is their game plan right now. It's just yep. straight running into a wall. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And and look, so 30 rush attempts by running backs in this game. Uh, and it was actually uh, Garrett Groshek who got the majority of the carries, but not by much. Groshek, 16 carries, 55 yards. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Madre London comes in with 14 for 23. Now, this is what I'm talking about, running into a wall, right? 1.6 yards per carry for London, 3.4 for Groshek. Their running game was not effective. I don't know if it was the front line. I don't know if it was the just lack of these guys being able to get free, but they did not look good. Or just that the defense caught on to every play was going to be a run. I mean, um, at that point, I think if I'm a defensive coordinator or if their coach is calling the plays, you, you just you're telling them, okay, go ahead and try to beat me with the pass because I'm playing the run every play. Um, but yeah, I expected them. I mean. Kirby Wilson's a running back coach, so while I expected him to run the ball a lot, I expected it to be more effective, more creative. Um, very disappointing to see. Very yeah. disappointing. I mean, look, I don't know what to tell you about the Maulers' offense until we see yet another game because uh, if we see more of the same, you could just be dropping all of your <laughs> all of your Maulers at this point. Uh, but I will say that they did live and die by the deep ball because you talk about the receptions that their their wide receivers had. Jeff Thomas, four for 43, but his long was 32 yards. 
So let's not even let's not even pretend like he had an impressive day. He had one good catch and then a couple of other catches on top of that. Bailey Gaither had a 31-yard catch, part of his 42-yard day total uh, on three receptions. Uh, Delvin Hardaway, who I really thought was underused, one catch. His only catch was a 22-yarder. Um, Mikey Daniel, two for 13, uh, got the tight end involved with a catch for Matt Siebert, one for nine. Um, again, on 11 completions, it's not necessarily a lot to go off of, but they can they can catch the deep balls. Yeah, I mean, their average is 10.8, Those are good averages. Um, they only had three wide receivers active. So I don't know if there was injury issues there or if that's just what they decided based on their game plan. But, um, I mean, even at that, if you're going against a team and you hear they only have three active, you know you're just going to be playing the run for the most part. So just like I said, I was excited to see the Maulers. I was excited to see like this old-fashioned, hard-hitting defense and running the ball, and it was not what I wanted, expected to watch, I guess. Um, I was very disappointed in the, the, uh, the outcome. I was just disappointed in the effort by the Maulers. That's that's really all there was to it. And then there was a lot of chippiness going on. And I guess if you're waiting an extra day to play, that that's gonna you know right in there. But <laughs> well, I wonder how much that threw them. There's all this drama going on with PizzaGate. I mean, there's just so much that uh, you know. I don't know if that affected them too, or if it just really was that they just did not have a good plan. Maybe both. Well, I mean, we're gonna find out next week. That's for sure. Uh, but let's move over to the bandit side of the ball where, I mean, look, Jordan Tamu, obviously we know it's Jordan Tamu, like everybody knows and everybody knew, but here's the thing. He went 20 for 32, 185 yards, good line there, right? Through a touchdown, but through two interceptions that could have been avoidable to me. So he looked exactly like I thought he was going to look to start the season because even with St. Louis, as good as he was, he still was he was still mistake prone. And and that's what I saw out of this performance. Only quarterback to touch the field for Tampa Bay, but that's because he only needed to be the only one. Yeah. Um, and he was my number one ranked quarterback, but I said, I think our last show it was that I told you that you're kind of swaying me. The more I look at the, the rosters and everything else, you were kind of swaying me there on Scott. And so, um, Watching Tamu, I was not, I wasn't blown away. And I expected with all the hype, I expected to watch the game and be like, oh man, look at him go. And he did on that first drive. Um, don't get me wrong. That first drive, it was like, wow, he's coming in here. He's just controlling it. And I think he was perfect on that drive and it looked really good, but um, it was really hit and miss after that. Like you said, inconsistent, made some mistakes he didn't have to make. Um, I know they were ahead. I know at the end of the half there, he threw that ball, just kind of taking a chance, and it got intercepted. But um, I wasn't blown away like I expected to be. Now, and, and again, this is something that he had 8.1 fantasy points on the day. So if you drafted him as your number one, uh, which I know that uh, Matt, Matt did for sure drafted him as his number one quarterback. It just was a tough day all around uh, to to do, and and he's going to get better. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to have to suffer through a lot of inconsistency. I think until he gets really situated, because again, uh, he handed the ball off quite a bit as well. I mean, obviously we know that they were up. Game game script dictated this, but B.J. Emmons looked okay in spurts, but boy, when you look at his his final line, 19 carries for 40 yards. He had that touchdown uh, that was close to the goal line, but 
<laughs> Justin, 2.1 yards per carry for BJ Emmons. Not necessarily all that encouraging. No, yeah, that stood out to me too. 2.1 for him, 1.7 for Juwan Washington. So, um, you know, I thought the Maulers were going to have a good defense. Um, they were actually the defense I thought was going to be the best. I know a lot of people were on the Panthers because of Jeff Fisher, but um, I, I thought it was going to be um, the Maulers and maybe their defense isn't that, as bad as that score reflects, you know, 17 to three. They, I think they held them in check fairly well, especially in the run game. Well, again, when they were handing the ball off the most, but the two interceptions came at some clutch times. It's not like they didn't have a chance to come back. I mean, literally, they weren't down by all that much, and they could have tried if they would have just changed the game plan up a little bit. You know, you thought after halftime they'd make some adjustments, but the only adjustment was running left instead of running right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I I don't know. Scratch my head on that one. Uh, let's talk about who uh, Tamu was throwing to, and he was throwing to Cheyenne O'Grady. Uh ton 11 targets for the tight end eight catches 86 yards clearly the best tight end performance of the day and the almost the best receiving performance of the day as well that came as a complete and utter surprise yeah absolutely 34 percent of the target share i mean they looked his way a lot and he said in his little in-game interview they did that they love throwing to the tight end and love the big tight end so um, you know, I think that's something we can expect to see more often. I don't think this was a one-off situation. I think O'Grady is uh, a player that's going to hold a lot of value moving forward. O'Grady's here to stay. Obviously, probably out there on the waiver wire because nobody even knew who he was <laughs> up until the, the beginning of this. So uh, we'll talk about him as well. Uh, BJ Emmons catching three passes for 32 or 23 yards. Uh, Vinny Papali, three catches, 23 yards. Uh, Jordan Lastly. Three catches, 21 yards, and the touchdown, more importantly. And then Rashard Davis caught a pass for 13 yards. Derek Dillon caught a pass for 11 yards. And then Juwan Washington was part of that as well. Uh, John Franklin targeted twice, didn't come down with anything. Derek Willis, two of the guys that we really thought were going to be big in this offense uh, coming up. Zeros where Derek Willis targeted only once and did not catch a pass. So, um takeaways from the the remaining folks that weren't the tight end in this game yeah um i kind of expected rashad davis to step in where we thought eli rogers was going to be kind of that number one target um and he was targeted four times which was 13 percent of the target share but only coming down one for 13 not a good stat line and then i i, I know Vinny papale didn't put up a huge stat line but that's not somebody that i expected to be involved a lot and he did pretty good. Um, three for 23 there, 7.7 average. So um, I was impressed with that. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I, I think he may be mm -hmm. somebody that grows into this into this role a little bit. Uh, I know that he was featured on the the pre-show and everything. So um, we'll, we'll have to see him moving forward. Uh, all right. So we did the game recaps. We're going to come back from the break. We're going to talk about some players to put on your waiver wire claim list as we move on on Alt Fantasy Sports. Hopefully you're playing there. I know you. that's the only game in town, folks, so if you haven't, I'm pretty sure you can still start a league. So uh, get in there and uh, and have some fun with us for the rest of the nine weeks. But we'll come back, give you some waiver wire names, maybe even some folks to draft if you're just about to start your league. Uh, these are some good names to, to add to your roster already. And we talk about win bets. 
We are always brought to you by WinBet. Make sure to get down on the WinBets bet $10 to win $200 promotion, where a $10 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. And of course, don't forget to get involved in their same game parlays with the Win's own Build Your Own Bet feature. So much to choose from, and all you got to do is download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com. To get started, offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. It's a hectic time of year. We just got done with the first week of the USFL. There's still some basketball going on. Baseball just started. Uh, You've got family. You've got friends. You've got a job. Maybe. But it's definitely hectic, wedding, graduation, sports. We're busier than ever right now. And obviously, we forget to take seconds for ourselves because what's that? So this season, take a second to enjoy an ice-cold Coors Light because you deserve a beer that is literally made to chill because you feel like you're always on. You got work, you got friends, you got families, you got everything I just said that just gave you stress and anxiety. But sometimes you just need a moment to hit the reset button. And that, my friends, is when I reach for a Coors Light because it is made to chill. And you know what is better for me? I I, I need stuff broken down for me. So this beer, this can, this Coors, it tells me when it's cold because the bottle turns blue and that's when I know that my beer is cold and ready to drink. And I know that it's time to chill. So when you need to hit the reset button, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and it's made to chill. So when I need a second for myself, I reach for the beer. That is always made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And remember to always celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We are brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. What is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. Special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's all those things. It costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star rating. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional experience. Do you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you're, you might as well give all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That is why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's literally that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on your speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. 
offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for you, our listeners, with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you got to do, tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know that it's on. So stop sharing with the world your entire everything, everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. Use the promotion code SGP. Claim your 70% off savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. So we've broken it down for you. Now let's get you some players that are going to help you win your fantasy football week two. Hopefully you won week one. Uh, I did not, in fact, uh, win week one. And in fact, I pretty much got it handed to me by Jay Markey's wife. So <laughs> congratulate Miranda on the week one victory there, Justin. I will. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah, she's probably going to end up running the table and beating us all all year. <laughs> I have a feeling that that is not very far off of the uh, of the thing. All right, so we're going to load up three minutes on the clock. Talk about five players to target for your week two waivers. We start with a guy that was getting the ball right off the jump for the Gamblers, Mark Thompson. We talked about him a little bit in the game recap, but look. Mark Thompson's going to be that guy. And I know he's out there because he's out there in our league. And if he's out there in our league, you know he's out there in other people's leagues. Uh, but Mark Thompson, not somebody that we were highly touting to to get the carries over there in Houston, but is the one that emerged, in my opinion, to be the guy, the strongest ball carrier out there. Yeah, absolutely. He had 50% of the backfield touches, which is tied for second most uh, through week one. Rushed 13 times for 71 yards. The biggest thing that set him apart from Dalen Dawkins, who had 10 carries, was the rush average. He had 5.5. Dawkins had 2.7. If you have a running back that's getting 5.5 compared to 2.7, what are you going to do? You're going to hand him the ball more. So definitely a good target to go after. Um, didn't have any play in the pass game, um, but he is a back who can catch out of the backfield. So that's uh, could only be more fantasy football points for you and and for me i have a feeling that this gamblers team is going to want to establish itself as uh, a heavy running team not that clayton thorson can't get it done but he can't get it done <laughs> he didn't even break 100 yards passing so you gotta had to lean on thompson for that and i'm not sure that i see that situation changing unless of course they move to uh benji uh, or uh, kenji bahar in which he can actually run the ball a little bit better, I think. Uh, well, I mean, he only took one kneel down. But I think Bahar looked maybe a, a more uh, mobile quarterback than Thorson uh, that may take some carries away from from Thompson. But I, like I said, I have a feeling this is definitely going to be Mark Thompson's team uh, to carry. And 71 yards is a very encouraging first outing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you got to imagine he's going to get some touchdowns in there and that's going to increase it, maybe get some of the receptions. Um, I, I think it's all uphill for him here. Yeah. Again, when you have a quarterback that's not necessarily only completes nine passes all day, it's hard to get a, a running back involved in the passing game. But uh, yeah, you get Thompson a, a touchdown two. you know, in a game that that's definitely uh, looking at running back one territory. And I don't fear, like I said, I don't fear Dalen Dawkins. Just like you said, 2.7 yards per carry is not encouraging to me. 
Uh, and Thompson busted off a pretty decent 17-yarder as well in that game. So breakaway speed uh, definitely has something to to build on. So if Mark Thompson is out there in your waiver wires, I, I definitely say load him up. And and for me, I think he's priority one, uh, especially if you're looking for a running back after this week that's not going to share the ball too much. Yeah, I agree. Just because of that, um, how ineffective Dawkins was, I definitely agree on that. Um, Thompson had the fourth most rushing yards this week. So, um, yeah, looking good. Yep. And again, probably not on too many people's rosters. So uh, definitely look for him. Uh, All right, let's move to another running back. I definitely won't put him all that high, but we talked about the the breakers offense and how we didn't necessarily give a whole lot of, of merit to what they could do. Uh, but they they basically kind of held their own for a while. And uh, it was Jordan Ellis who uh, really surprised me to the point where this is why he makes the list because I didn't, again, necessarily expect much. But Jordan Ellis, 18 carries, 89 yards. Not a lot of people were, were drafting um, were drafting quarterbacks for the uh, – or running backs, rather, for the breakers. So we'll definitely add Ellis to the list. We talked about him, 18, 89 with the touchdown, splitting carries, but the better of the two running backs. So, uh, yeah, if I'm going to pick a breakers running back, I think I'm going to pick, uh, pick Jordan Ellis. Yeah, he looked really good. Second most running yards in the league for week one, only beat out by DeAndre Johnson, the quarterback. So top running back for rushing yards. Um, very impressive, especially when, you know, not, a, not many of us were all that high on him and 46% of the, uh, carries and, 4.9 average that's a pretty good average you're close to five there um you're moving the ball and as long was 18 yards so it's not like those 89 yards came mostly on one play um so that's something to keep an eye on too that i mean he's he's moving the chains and they're relying on him quite a bit and i think even if uh tj logan continues to get about equal work share you know, with with the amount of, of yardage that he can gain per per rush, Ellis is definitely the the guy. And I still think that it's a sustainable situation for him, regardless of how much work Logan gets. You know, how many touches Logan gets in the rushing game. Uh, but don't you know? Don't shy away from Logan either. If you if he's out there on the waiver wire, I would grab him as well because Logan was the guy that they were going to in the receiving game, right? Logan had four catches. So I mean, we put Ellis as the player to spotlight, but I think you could probably pick up either one of these running backs if they're out there on the waiver wire and and still uh, be happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're in a full point PPR league, if your league is set up like that, then you're definitely um, not hesitant on Logan either. You know, he had four receptions on four targets for 38 yards. That was 15% of the target share. And then he rushed for 15 carries for 56 yards, 3.7 average. So not as effective as Ellis, but still um, over 50 yards and had a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. So he still brings some value. And then especially if you have a PPR league, you're definitely looking his way. Well, yeah, again, that 19.4 game for TJ Logan is definitely something uh, you want to build on. Jordan Ellis had 14.9, but again, you know, all it takes is for uh, another touchdown from Ellis or another couple of catches from Ellis, and he's the one with the bigger day. So, yeah, I mean, I, the takeaway from this backfield of, of New Orleans is that you should probably be able to grab either one of those off of waivers, and I, I don't know that I'd be upset if, if I could, you know, only get one uh, between the two. Yeah. 
And like, it's kind of interesting, not that we ever say we're experts, but we did a lot of research and this is some, an offense we kind of avoided both of us and they might have two sustainable running backs in fantasy. That's, that's interesting. (laughs) I'll admit when I'm wrong, I was wrong. (laughs) I was, I was way off too. And it wasn't necessarily that I didn't, I didn't put much faith in the running backs. I just did not put a lot of faith in Sloter and that offense to be able to do anything because I just didn't think out of the jump they'd be able to, to do as much as they did. So prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this was defense for me. Yeah. This was more defense than it was offense. And it's only week one. So And it's only week one. We're about <laughs> to sell the entire farm on week one performances. Uh, all right. Let's move over to the next name on our list. And that, my friends, is Chris Rowland. Because Chris Rowland... I mean, we talked about it in the recap. He He's the guy that uh, emerged as that wide receiver for Brian Scott. And if you're going to tell me that Roland is going to continue to get, you know, most of the looks in that passing game and, and produce on them, I'm going to take it. And he's out there uh, in, in leagues for sure. Because like I said, Roland was not drafted at all in our experts league. So, I mean, that's got to tell you something. And we went deep. We went really deep into the woods, and nobody started Roland uh, in our league. So if he's out there, he's probably out there for you. Yeah, definitely not the Stars wide receiver we thought was going to lead, but he did. Um, Seven for 74. The average, 10.6 yards per catch. Um, Those are numbers you want to focus on for fantasy football because if he's getting targeted nine times and coming down with most of those, came down to seven, and – it's 10.6 yards per catch. Um, that's a lot of points you're racking up per catch um, with the the point for the catch, the point for the 10 yards, and then 25% of the target share in the, as of week one, the team that passed the most. So um, definitely something you want a piece of on your rosters. Yep. Like I said, if the waiver, if he's out there on waivers, which in most six team leagues, he's probably there. Most four team leagues, I'm sure he's there. Uh, you know, just just make sure that you're looking out for Roland's name because I have a feeling he's going to be huge. Uh, and I lied. So he was drafted. Um, he was drafted by Colby, uh, but very, very uh, late in there. So Colby had him, but Colby did not start him. Uh, let's put it that way. So we we uh, we got away with that. Um, but again, you know, you look at the guys that he did start, he started Jeffrey Thomas, Chad Williams, uh, LaMichael Petaway, who had absolutely nothing, Anthony Ratcliffe Williams with the negative catch. Uh, a lot of these guys that, that got started over guys like Roland are, are guys that, uh, you, you did research thinking coming into and, and didn't necessarily pan out. So yeah, go look for Roland on the waiver wire. I, I got to think that he's there in a lot of the six team leagues. Yeah, and I'm not going to complain that Colby didn't start him since I played Colby. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how I know that he's available in 16 because every I I we so like I said our list our league our main league was mm-hmm. deep roster or deep benches and eight teams. Our listener league is six teams and not deep benches. So that's why yeah. I know that he's out there because they're using the SGPN default settings, which you can still get in there and do, uh, and that's two bench spots. So you don't have a lot of room to mess around with. So I know he's out there in in our league, uh, our listener league. So it's got to mean that he's out there in uh, in some of your other leagues as well, especially if you use the SGP and settings. 
Absolutely. Going after that uh, DGEN's only $1,000. Going after that DGEN's only, uh, after this week, though, I, I don't know. There might be some <laughs> folks that got a lot, uh, a head start on us with some of the, the, chaos, the chaos that ensued with uh, week one. So Absolutely. Let's talk about stable duel because there are never enough things to gamble on in the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. And the best part is now there's a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Go check out Stable Duel. It's a daily fantasy style app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. Go pick your horses, build your stables and play against others to move up the leaderboard. You can win as much as 40 thousand dollars with just one entry if you're like me you know nothing about horses don't worry the app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy best of all the app is free to download at stableduel.com where you get multiple games offered each day with free games weekly attracts all over the united states to so get in the app create your account start building your stables today go invite your friends to play against you or you can play against our stables you can even follow them in the app and compare our own stats so go download now at stableduel.com see how many winners you can pick in your stable see you in the winner circle play race win as always we're brought to you by prop swap is where it's where america buys and sells sports bets nba playoffs are set and prop swap is where betters find the best odds and turn the hardwood into hard cash prop swap is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite teams and then sell your bets whenever you want Many prop swappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling championship futures all playoffs long. This allows you to win over and over and over and over again without your team ever lifting the trophy. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. You got fantastic features on it, like filtering listed tickets based on the best value. You get a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale. You get a loyalty rewards program that always turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash. And most importantly, a first deposit cash match when you use the promo code SGP. On your first deposit, PropSwap's going to match your deposit up to five. $100 to go join the real sports bettors right now on PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. Closing up your waiver wire suggestions with the guy that we talked about who absolutely turned heads, um, probably most importantly, Jordan Tahamus, who I, I think, uh, as we talked about, will be the second best quarterback in the league. So you're going to want to grab his favorite pass catcher, who just happens to be tight end Cheyenne O'Grady. Again, a huge day. Almost 90 yards receiving on the day. Really just, I mean, again, when we talked about the volatility of uh, of tight ends, even in the NFL, as much as it is in the USFL, uh, just really impressed, man. I mean, the guy's huge. He, he was catching balls that uh, looked like they weren't necessarily all that easy to catch. Um so not only do I think he's going to be one of the better tight ends in the league, he's going to be the better one of the better pass catchers in the league. Yeah, I did not expect a tight end to lead the league in receptions, and then he was third most in yards. Um, but O'Grady did it, and 34% of the target share is a big chunk. Um, that's good for second most in the league through week one. Um, we think the Bandits are going to throw it a lot, so um, he's definitely somebody that you want on your team. Well, I mean, you should definitely go after him because he's not—he's going to help you out more weeks than he's not. I have a feeling uh, because you look at the other receivers that we thought were going to play a factor. And look, is he going to catch eight passes every week? Probably not. But he'll probably get in the end zone uh, a few weeks more than not. But 
you know, Adam, who's Jordan Lastly? Well, you know, I kind of, I, I drafted him. I didn't start him, but I knew he was, he was draftable. Uh, three catches, 21 yards in the touchdown. But, you know, the other guys that we thought were going to, John Franklin, you know, Derek Willies did not turn up at all. Uh, so we don't know until next week whether or not that's going to be the norm going forward. But I have a feeling that that chemistry, that week one chemistry is going to continue to at least see 10, 11, 12 points out of this tight end each and every week. And we didn't see anywhere near that from almost any other tight end this weekend, let alone pass catcher. So I'll, I'll bank on that early in the season. Absolutely. And like you said, it seems like an all football, the tight end position for fantasy football is so hard to nail down. Um, because there's just so few that consistently give good production. And the way week one went, it looks like O'Grady might give that good, consistent production. Um, 11 targets, he, I think that's going to, he's going to keep having a bunch of targets like that. They're going to keep looking his way. And, and we know adjustments are going to be made. I mean, we're not naive to think that this is going to be the same outcome every single week of every single game. But I have a feeling that even if they make some adjustments, uh, O'Grady might be able to just put his arms up and, and over a lot of these shorter DBs that we're seeing on the field, uh, snare some of those passes that he was catching from Tomu because Tomu's going to he's gonna do a little run and gun. He's going to try to find some, some secondary receivers and some tight ends uh, most of the season long. So, um, you know, I, like I said, if you're going to give me the, the best pass catcher on the second best offense in the league, uh, I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, we talked about how there weren't a ton of taller cornerbacks. I didn't realize that almost all of them were on the bandits. So that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But I mean, again, when, when you watch the game fold uh, unfold, it really was just him leaning on O'Grady early and often. Like, I mean, that, mm -hmm. that was, that was the game plan was get it to O'Grady. So, I mean, I don't know what we see next week, but I, I like that game plan. Absolutely. So, uh, all right, week one in the books. Justin, we've got a, a fun set of games coming up again next week. Uh, obviously, we don't have enough time to set them all up, but week two is going to be uh, quite an interesting adventure only because of what we saw in week one. So hopefully you guys find some uh, some of these players out there on your waiver wire. Hopefully they they work for you. Um, you know most of these guys good in DFS too. But make sure you listen to the USFL Gambling Podcast for all your DFS picks coming up with Colby and Nick. Um, but yeah, I mean I had some fun, Justin. Some fantasy football fun this weekend. And in April, how the hell can you hate that? Absolutely. In Iowa, it was snowing on Easter, so. We weren't outside. It was nice to just sit in and watch some football. Watch some football, which we can do all spring long. God, I hope these XFL rumors aren't true either, but that's another another topic <laughs> for another day. Uh, just enjoy football, damn it. Why, why can't we just enjoy football? That That's all I'm saying, because to me, that that's really what it's all about, and that's why this show is in existence. So, uh, again, Justin, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Yep, follow me on Twitter at jmarkfootball. J Mark football. And of course, join the Slack channel, sg.pn slash Slack. Uh, you can join the USFL Slack channel where we were cooking all weekend long, having some fun, keeping track of our fantasy scores, and uh, just talking some, some out and out football. So uh, make sure you subscribe to this show. 
on the SGPN app or wherever you get your fine podcast. Follow me on Twitter at RJ Villagomez. Find the entire SGPN Fantasy family at SGPN Fantasy. Uh, keep up with us. We're, we're talking USFL uh, all season long. So uh, hopefully you have a good old time with us as well. So, all right, everybody. Until next time, thanks for listening and let it ride. Built up walls, it's our shield and couch.